Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hi, folks. Welcome to Inclusive Collective, where we share stories and learnings of inclusive people, organizations, and innovation. I am your co-host, Nadia Butt, and I, um, I'm an organizational development and belonging strategist. And I am joined by my co-host and friend, Rob Hadley, um, a people and culture strategist uh, specializing in DEI and people analytics. Hi, Rob. Hello, Nadia. How are you today? What, do you notice anything? <gasps> You're wearing the hoodie. I'm wearing the hoodie. I it's my John it. Fetterman look. In honor of, <laughs> oh my uh, God, our new yes. senator. That's I'm wearing impressive. a giant oversized hoodie with our I... logo on it. With our logo and what's me. on, yeah, I did send that to you. I'm so glad that you're wearing it. I wasn't sure if you'd open it and be like, what did she get me this time? <laughs> I was thinking there are really big popular shows where they probably don't have pictures of themselves on a hoodie at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe. We may be, I mean, we may be out in front of it, but I like it. I like it. And then the back's pretty cool too, right? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you did a great job. You have the logo of Verfilion underneath the hood. Yeah. There's only, what, three of these in existence? Yeah. So if people really want one, they should let us know because <laughs> we can order you one if it's something. We'll have to share a picture of what they look like. They're fun. I, I did, think they're really fun. I did tell my son that I was going to pick him up from school wearing it, and he was not thrilled. He wasn't. So He's like, Dad, I really don't need you to like show up with a picture of yourself on your hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> picture of Nadia and Rob. Yeah. And then I do love that they're they're giant, right? That's what the kids love, right? Like they they yeah. wear giant oversized hoodies. Yeah, they keep you warm though. <laughs> no, you're in Utah. I still like it's a, some, I still prefer a little form fitting. Oh, okay. I'm a old fashioned that way. Skinny jeans, well, sh- as you know. Yeah, skinny jeans. So we're going all deets today on this episode. Um, we're going so all deets. We had a guest. Uh, and and we had to reschedule. That happens. There's a lot of viruses biz. going around. Yes, there's a lot in of the viruses biz. going yeah. around. So we're going to switch it up. We're going to talk about. We're going to do some deets, uh, yes. and we'll go through. We have a few stories to talk about. A lot of fun stories. I think you. I think you texted me every story work related that's happening in the world, and so we, literally, we, I was we, like, we, boom, boom, boom. I, I, I'm pretty sure I sent you like maybe ten or twelve stories. You probably were like, I think it was thirty six. Yeah. No, <laughs> a lot so we did narrow it down to like the top four that we want to talk about today top four so, we want to talk about yeah, let's start with can we talk about law school yeah. law school let's talk let's about law school it. one of my other hobbies wait you did know. you know that i so, was um pre-law in undergrad before i decided that it was like going to be the worst decision of my life <laughs> well well nation. let's talk about this let's let's talk about how that would have worked out for you um so the the good people nadia at the wall street journal they have worked themselves up quite a bit over the fact that this past week, a panel of the American Bar Association voted to eliminate the requirements that law school applicants take the LSAT or another standardized admission test. In an editorial titled, Law Schools Without LSATs, well, don't that beat all, 
pass the lemonade. I, I made that last part up. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I do declare. Um, the journal argues that eliminating the LSAT will harm people from less privileged backgrounds and that untested law students will arrive at law school less prepared for the material, less experienced with the rigorous test format of the bar exam. Um, so this issue is being coupled with the fact that the Supreme Court is well on its way to eliminating affirmative action, as we've discussed here before. Uh-huh. Nadia, yeah. you know, affirmative action is a super complex topic, so we won't go too deep into that. But there's a couple of things on this that made me chuckle. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it as well. But first, you know, schools can still require the LSAT. They just don't have to. That's basically what this dis- what this means. It sure. doesn't mean that it goes away forever. Also, there's very little correlation between the LSAT score and performance in, in law school. In law school. And performance or on the bar Or even after exam. post. So there's no, sure. Yeah, there's no real uh, reason. So, you know, Harvard and Yale are eliminating the LSAT altogether as well as, a, as an entrance requirement. You know, and then this argument that this will hurt diversity because someone with poor grades could have a high LSAT score and then that would put them on the radar of these some of these elite law schools. That is interesting to me because, I, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking, like, couldn't it work the other way where someone that had really awesome grades could have a poor LSAT score and that would basically eliminate them if they did poorly on a test that wasn't necessarily written for them or was written in a way that was non-inclusive uh, for certain demographics, mm. which we know it is. So mm-hmm. a lot of lot of curious things. Any Any thoughts on the LSAT? I don't know if I have concerns or issues with standardized testing. I just, I think I just don't know enough about them. And I feel like in many ways they can be exclusionary because I think of folks that might have a learning, like a difference in learning ability. I think of like neurodivergent student, like people who, with their backgrounds. And then, yeah, I think of folks that are from less privileged backgrounds. It's just, it is interesting that this was a decision made. So what were the universities again that have eliminated it? Harvard and Yale are doing this mm, and okay. are, are getting rid of it as an entrance exam requirement. Um, and so and a lot of them will keep it. I mean, I think that there's this assumption implicit in that editorial that Harvard and Yale are just going to, they're just going to run out and grab people off the streets and then let them be lawyers and be you know, okay. Harvard and Yale educated lawyers, right? So there's like, there's this undertone that, you know, the people that don't belong there are going to be allowed to be lawyers at prestigious universities. And so, okay. um, so to me, that that feels a little bit offensive as well, just, yeah, to, just in the way that offensive. they, you know, the way that they talk about it. In law schools, there are always more qualified applicants, right, for these spots at these elite law firms and medical schools and business schools, right? Sure, sure. So there are less spots than there are people that are qualified, Right. And so there's, they're going to be fine. They're going to find people. They're going to figure out the best way to find the most qualified people and the people who will be the best lawyers. And I get kind of – I get a little bit tired. I don't know if you've had, had a lot of affirmative action conversations lately. But mm. I do get tired of talking about affirmative action. People say, well, race can't be the only thing that's that's involved in these admissions decisions. And of course that's true. Of course that, that and, and it never has been. It's been right. one of many factors that that universities consider. But in the legal system, we're talking about lawyers. We know mm-hmm. that the legal system is uh, does doesn't do any favors to people that are underrepresented or minoritized. And so it is really important to have racial diversity in our elite law schools as well. It's Absolutely. really an important factor that should be considered above a lot of others. And so it's really important. And I think that 
people are really worried that we're going to have bad lawyers all of a sudden, which I'm not I'm not sure they were worried about that before. I'm, but, well, uh, there are <laughs> there are some bad lawyers out there already. But yeah, yeah, those, yeah, so yeah, bad lawyers yeah. are the ones that poor people that, have. That went to really good schools, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, we have some politicians <laughs> that are lawyers that went to some really top-notch schools. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's a really interesting article. Thank you for sharing that. Anything else you wanted to add on to that? No, let's go to the next thing. Um, can you hear the dog in the background? Because Mr. Wiggles is having a blast over here. Sure. The next Mr. thing Wiggles. item here. Um, so the Wall Street Journal um, had an article that was called Logistics Companies Are Diversifying Hiring, But Challenges Exist. And so this was a really interesting article, mostly about supply chain. So more women and marginalized people are joining the supply chain workforce. What exists today that still continues to perpetuate is that there are still pay disparities between women and men and then white um, employees and um, marginalized groups of people. There are still off-color jokes, so still uh, many microaggressions that are occurring in this particular workforce within supply chain. And then uh, additionally is safety concerns. So like think of the work maybe in warehouses, areas where people are, um, you know, kind of doing a little bit more labor type work. So the safety mm-hmm. concerns still exist. So I know you love numbers. So uh, women uh, make up 39% of supply chain employees. Um, these are distribution center workers to C-suite executives. And this is as of May of this year. This is from Gartner. Um, And then people of color make up 32% of supply chain um, positions. 10% of that of those folks are in VP type positions. And so I just Mm -hmm. I found this to be interesting. I know you were like supply chain, like who cares? But it's a it's a different avenue for me, a different type of industry for me. In many senses, it's always kind of been male dominated. It continues to be. It's nice to see that there's starting to be a little bit of an increase with women and POC. I would like to see it increase. Um, But what I think makes me weary is the pay disparities, the different level of jobs that these folks might hold within the company. And then the off-color jokes, the microaggressions, just those behaviors that might exist that may not welcome or make people feel psychologically safe. And then just the safety concerns in general, because this type of work is really is is probably very intense in terms of like strength and so forth. So, what are your any thoughts on from your end in terms of this article? No, I think that those numbers hold up. They're probably a few years behind what you see in some other industries that are less, you know, we would think of as less male dominated. Uh, but most industries are male dominated. And if you look at the funnel and the disparity between those that are frontline workers and uh, C-suite executives, sure. similar funnels tend to persist across industries. Uh, that's a little bit, you know, the numbers that you just quoted are a little bit more uh, striking. And again, I think that you probably find that like some of these industries that are more slower to adopt more diverse uh, and inclusive practices and workforces. Sure. So construction, sure. logistics, things like that. So, yeah, you know, all of these industries have to transition, right? Like there's no, there's no going back. There's a shortage of labor and qualified labor. And so you're going to continue to see these industries diversify. 
And it depends on what it will, it may be a little bit rockier for some, perhaps yep. like in this particular case. But I mean, I think that, you know, there was another story that, you know, that we talked about, and we're not, we're not going to go into great detail, but the fact that uh, there was an article this week about how Facebook ads for female truckers, right? So in the mm, trucking yeah. industry, um, right. they were not necessarily targeting women. They were sending all of their trucking uh, ads, ads to men, right? And so there's just, you know, there's a ton of things for these, these types of industries that are a little bit slower than what we'd normally think. Um, and they're moving into it now. So they, they need a lot of help and, and, and uh, hopefully they'll start to be a little bit more forward looking and some of the things you're talking about will resolve. Yeah, you know, that makes me think too, like, I wonder if, you know, mostly because these companies have always been dominated by male employees. And, you know, I often sometimes think of like, how flexible is the workplace in terms of its hours? And I would imagine like trucking does probably not provide for like, flexibility. And I don't want to speak for most women, but many of the clients that I've worked with, where their employees, the sentiment is that many women leave the workplace because it does not provide flexible work hours. And so Mm -hmm. it is interesting. And I'm curious, like if it was just by, it was just like a decision that was made for those Facebook ads, because it was like, yeah, this is just who we've always um, marketed these roles to, yep. and these are our type of candidates, or if it was like in consideration after they'd done research to say, well, we don't really, we know that women aren't going to apply for this job. And so we're not going to advertise to them. We're not going to spend our advertising dollars, but it is something for, if you are in marketing or advertising for you just to think through, like, how do you get your data around who you market to? Um, and yeah, why? Yeah. So and I know, I and, and the female it. truckers were quick to point this out to to uh, Facebook and Meta. So, and I don't Good. think you want to get on the wrong side of female truckers, to be honest. No, with you. I don't think right? so at all. You don't want to offend <laughs> female truckers, right? No. So we love female yeah. truckers love on it. this show, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks um, for that, Nadia. I love yeah. that you love the supply chain. Like, uh, I you do. Know, you're, you're a huge <laughs> fan of supply chain, so. We'll bring you more supply chain uh, news uh, with with Nadia going forward. Thank so you. Uh, let's folks- let's take a quick break. Let's take a quick oh. break, and then we'll come back with more deets. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this: for the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey folks, welcome back to our All Deets episode. Rob and I are kind of moving forward with two more stories from this past week in terms of what was happening in the news related to diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, for Rob, how do you feel about four-day work weeks? Well, honestly, 
I think weekends are too long to start with, to be honest. <laughs> really? Are and too I think long? That's, and I think that's because there's no school uh, during the weekends. Oh. So Okay. Do, oh. if I get a, as long as we're not talking about four-day school weeks, then, then I'm in. Got it. Okay. Well, Fortune Magazine provided some information. So apparently there was a four-day work week trial, um, kind of where these uh, companies piloted a four-day work week. In the U.S. and Ireland, 33 companies with over 900 employees, this pilot lasted for six months. And so they piloted a four-day work week. And some of the, the benefits that they kind of noticed or observed is that the average re- um, revenue increased by 38%. Absentee um, days decreased, and over the six-month period, that resignation and turnover also decreased. These co- these particular companies that had done the pilot and trial are actually continuing to kind of implement the four-day work week because they found benefits uh, out of it. And I'm just so curious, like, what your thoughts are. <laughs> I am super dubious on the data <laughs> that they have. Oh, here. really? Why? Right. <laughs> This Why? is from a group called Four Day Workweek Global, right? That's like, hilarious. Like, these are people that have dedicated their lives to proving that promoting. a four day work week. They've dedicated their lives to an additional day off per week. So that is I, so funny. You know, Trust your sources or no this is a great example of where you get your sources from, right? Thirty eight percent. I mean, so we've talked about four day work week a little bit in the past, right? So I always think that flexibility is the only answer for all of these different scenarios and different ways that we can work. So four-day work weeks are going to work for some organizations. Remote only is going to work for some organizations. Some organizations, you got to be there every day. And you got to be there every day for six days a week. I don't for whatever reason. I don't know, right? So each company has to be able to make that determination for themselves. Employees are going to self-select into the environments that fit with them. I think the majority of employees will value flexibility. We've talked about a lot of companies that go to a four-day work week, employees feel greater stress to produce in a shorter amount of time. So they don't do less work. They just pack it into four days. And right. those four days are frantic. So sometimes four days work great. And sometimes, you know, you, like I like to work, you know, two hours a day, seven days a week. You know, like okay. I'm, I'm yes. you know, I'm, uh, I'm really flexible. You're pretty so, efficient. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to do. And so, you know, from a diversity perspective, I think that report that that you were talking about, it shows Mm -hmm. that there's some advantage to caregivers. Um, There's less stress and costs associated with childcare. If you're you're working four days a week, you at least can, that at least cuts your childcare bill down a little bit. So advantages for caregivers, and that totally makes sense. But I think the only losing proposition is inflexibility, right? I think that's something that workers, you know, for the long term are just not going to tolerate. And I think it's just sure. going to be a losing proposition in the marketplace for talent. Sure. That's that's a great point. I think it, you're right. It all really goes back to your culture of the organization. This may not work. It's not one size fits all for every company. Um, but I thought that was interesting. I actually appreciated that they piloted this. Oftentimes, organizations don't have the risk-taking ability to just try something out, see what how it might benefit them or not benefit them and then decide if they want to continuously improve or enhance or or go back to what they were doing previously. So I kudos to them for at yeah, least for trying, sure. right? Yeah, I think we did a number of uh, experiments over the course of, you know, with groups that I worked with. And you always find that whenever you break the paradigm, it doesn't really matter, <laughs> right? 
which is good, right? I think the things that we've long been attached to, people are starting to question. And yes. usually people are flexible enough to make it work if right. you know if there's trust between the the management of the organization and and the employees for sure i also am going to start another organization nadia do you want to know what it's called oh, what's it going to be called it's called the six day school day, school week okay Tell me about- global yeah <laughs> who, who would, we're, who would we, actually we're gonna to we're it. gonna make sure that there's a six day school week everywhere globally it's gonna be oh great oh my god i don't think your son will approve <laughs> but okay <laughs> Um, shall we go on to the last deet of the week? Yeah, yeah. This is, a, I'm checking my notes here. This one's called Not Being Fun at Work, right? Oh, so, you know a lot about that. It's not about me. It's not about <laughs> me. The French Supreme Court ruled that a man was wrongfully fired by a Paris-based consulting firm for allegedly failing to be fun enough at work. Mr. T is the way that it's framed in the article. It's not the actual Mr. T, not... Okay. Yeah, the guy from yeah, yeah. the A team yeah. was the fired A-team. from Cubic, a company called Cubic Partners in 2015 after refusing to participate in seminars and weekend social events that his lawyers claimed included excessive alcoholism and promiscuity, according to court documents. Mr. T claimed that the company's fun culture included humiliating and intrusive practices such as mock sexual acts, crude nicknames, and forcing him to share his bed with another employee during work functions. Oh my god. Nadia, the floor is yours on this one. But I just like Where do we cringe. even start? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, he was dismissed for basically what the company claimed as him not like having fun. And the fun translated into those things you just said. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I cannot imagine if I worked for an organization who thought that was what was indicative of fun and then fired me for for not participating in those things. Um, wait, what was this last item of like, what was getting hotel room, sharing hotel rooms? I can't. That one was the other. Look, I thought this is going to be, I thought this is going to be an edge case. So thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. I, we were laughing, yeah. but I thought it was going to be an edge case, right? So where there was an introvert that was let go for, you know, like that's perhaps it was an organization that was highly social, and they just didn't fit in. They didn't socialize enough. And they're they were like, weren't taking and, clients to meetings you know, or, or like, we're, yeah, okay. Yeah, we have, Maybe. you know, we know that corporate America or even probably Western corporate culture is highly uh, discriminatory against introverts, right? Like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an extrovert world if you're in, well, a, and, in a large yeah, organization. Well, and people living with disabilities. Yeah. Well, yeah. in general, like everyone, but like, yeah, people, yeah, even with people who might be um, neurodivergent, right? Yeah. And, and that's and that's what I thought I was was getting into when I started down this path. And then there's, <laughs> and then it gets to forced him to share a bed with another employee during uh, work events. Uh, that's and, insane. and then I was like, OK, well, this is this has kind of gone off the rails a little bit. So, you know, this looks uh, it's pretty clear cut. And, you know, and I think that the, the audacity of then firing him for not being fun. <laughs> like, do you, do you it's think like that was hilarious? It's uh, yeah. So it's, you know, so again, you, I think you hit on it, right? Best practice for, for company events. Make sure that they're inclusive. Make sure they're inclusive of all people's lifestyles, right? So, for example, uh, the fact that caregivers, you know, don't want to be, have to be included in a, in a, something sort of after work event. So right. do things during the day, do things that have, there's options for people that don't drink alcohol as well, you know, and, and avoid, uh, you know, uh, mock sexual acts. Uh, I can't even. Know, that's a, 
I don't understand <laughs> even what that means. Like that's yeah. Like, I was just kept, I kept going through it, going like, is is someone gonna explain to me what's going on here? Yeah, like, so, <laughs> did you think I sent you like a fake article? Like, right? It's like the Onion or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's hilarious. Um, I'm also like, no offense to our French uh, listeners here, but like, there's been a lot of different rulings that have come out in particular to the workplace in France, um, like women wearing hijab and head coverings and like, and then this, I'm like, what is happening in the workplace there? So it's just interesting to me. I, I'm curious if like, if we have any French listeners and what their thoughts are, like folks that work in France, <laughs> <I think. All laughs> what, right. I will, what their thoughts I are. So reach out to us and let us know what's happening and what these mock hotel lights are. What is that? Yeah, solicit views from our French listeners. I love that. That's right. Awesome. Well, that's that's all, all right. we got for the deets this week. That right, is let's it. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with rants and raves. Welcome back, folks. We are at the segment of our rants and raves. Rob, you flipped the coin, and it looks like you are up first. I want to rave about my sweatshirt. You can rave about your sweatshirt. I love that you love it. It makes me so happy. I do happy. want to rave. It is a product-based rave I have here, right? Oh. So, Nadia, as you know, this week, Molly Levitt, Molly. our friend from Remarkable US, she did a challenge on LinkedIn. She challenged people to say how they were going to be more inclusive from an accessibility standpoint mm-hmm. uh, in their work. But as part of this, and so I contributed to the, that discussion, and you were in there as well, Part of this was the back and forth. Uh, she sent a link to a disability-owned business gift guide from undivided.io. And I don't know if you had a chance to go in there, but I went in there and I loved everything in that gift guide. And you know, they had really great stuff from health and wellness to different uh, home products, food, art, pets, pets gifts even uh, on oh, that wow. particular site. So I loved it. And so thank you to Molly, and I think everyone should go check it out as you're doing your holiday shopping, uh, and we'll post a link to that in the show notes. That's great. Is So is it curated for people living with disabilities, or is it, is it um, are these products designed by folks who are living with a disability? They are uh, disability-owned business products, yeah, so they are from, awesome. from entrepreneurs uh, that have uh, uh, some sort of a disability. Very cool. All right. Yeah. Well, check it out. Make really your good holiday stuff on there. shopping easy. Yeah, that's great. All right, you ready for my rant? Let's do it. So, sports. <laughs> Back oh, to boy. sports Here as always. <laughs> so, I just want to make just kind of advise or encourage westernized organizations, sports teams like the NBA, NFL, kind of other groups to take notice of how um, the announcers at the World Cup are um, announcing the names and cities correctly of of people and places. Um, I think that other sports organizations can take some great uh, best practices and learning how to say people's names and the cities all across the globe into consideration. So it's kind of a rave for the World Cup, and a rant for uh, other sports organizations that don't really do that practice <laughs> as, as, good, as good as they sh- probably should. 
it was a positive it was a positive rant right yeah i'm a pretty positive person i think it. so it's a positive did you see yeah. did you happen to see uh the us player tyler adams was asked did you see that that back and forth exchange with a uh, with an iranian reporter oh no i didn't tell me no i think uh, so i just thought it was a, it was a nice example it did really good you know so there's a, a young player in the us and the iranian reporter said you keep calling my country Iran, mm. and why you keep mispronouncing uh, you know, the name of the country. Yeah. And so instead of being defensive, he said, hey, look, I, I, I apologize. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm learning, and, uh, and, you know, and I'll make sure that I try to say it the right way going forward. And uh, it was really great. It was really, you know, there's there's tons of great sportsmanship. I think the the game between Iran and the U.S., which which certainly has a lot of political ramifications, those players really did a great job of making it about the game and and the great sportsmanship, great exchange between the U.S. coach and the Iranian coach, and so. Uh, a lot of great stuff for the World Cup this year. I mean, yeah. <laughs> other than the fact I that, mean, it, some, that where some it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great that it's in Qatar, but I do think there's some opportunities in terms. That's a whole other episode for a whole other oh, day. Oh, we should yeah. do a World Cup episode. It'll be over oh, by boy. the time. We yeah, we'd have to invite my brother to that episode. But um, <laughs> awesome. Well, Rob, thank you so much. What a great week. Inclusive Collective is a production of Refilion Media. We would love to hear from you folks. So, Send us your feedback at inclusivecollective at refilion.com. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. If you like what you heard, please be sure to like and subscribe and rate us wherever um, you listen to your podcasts today. Um, and if you'd like to get in touch with us for consulting, please reach out to me at nasconsultants.com and rob at Consulting.com. Thank you again, folks. Um, we'll be back next week. Be well. Bye.